Life Audio. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and I will be right with you in just a moment after this. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello, everybody. I am Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to the Cynthia Garrett Podcast. And joining me in studio today is Girl Club Crew regular Christina Boutreau. Uh, You might notice, if you're watching on live stream, a little bit of a revamped opening. There are lots more things getting ready to happen here for 2024. And Christina Boudreau and I wanted to kind of kick off the beginning of these like changes and transitions by celebrating the preaching of the gospel around the world, which I got to tell you guys, before we bring Christina on, for those of you who have been regulars here, you know that her voice is so unique and powerful and special. One of the things I love so much about this young woman and sister in Christ and evangelist is her tenacity. She does not give up. Um, I think she and I were probably uh, born and cut from the same cloth somehow or another, even though from two different homes, because we see the gospel as something that is alive. It doesn't die. And just as Jesus Christ resurrected on the third day, the gospel is always there waiting to resurrect itself in the lives of, of unbelievers around the world. And it's always there speaking to us, trying to call us forward in our ultimate calling, which is to preach the gospel and to make disciples of Christ. So please give a warm welcome to Christina Boudreau as she joins here in studio. What's up, sister? What's up, dude? Good to see you. <laughs> It's me and you today, girl. Yes. <laughs> it's me and you today. You guys, yeah. just for those of you listening, um, my husband, Roger, was going to join us today for this conversation. And he got called away at the crack of dawn because of flight schedules and work and weather. So CB and I are here to actually uh, just kind of wrap out some interesting things. Um, Christina, I have had this question. Like, mm-hmm. 
burning in my head for the last few weeks. And I'm so curious to get your take on this. Does anybody really want to preach the gospel anymore? Does anybody really want to hear the gospel? Does anybody want to, you know, as Roger said, you you pick up your cross and you carry it. You know, we, we don't look back. We put our hand to the plow and you go forward. You know, that's the calling of, of on your life when you feel led to just share. You know, you want, you just, it's in you, the good news of Christ and it's bursting out of you and, and it comes out of you wherever you are and wherever you go. And I guess my question to you is, I know how relevant it is. And I know that people who are lost don't even often know that they need to be found. You know what I mean? But do you find that it's just increasingly more and more difficult to find a commitment to walk all the way through the actual teaching of the gospel of Christ? Life's Mm -hmm. happening. Bombs are going off in your own life. You're going through your own stuff, right? Why is this not for the faint of heart? Because this calling seems to really require so much self-sacrifice and so much uh, strength and tenacity to just get up and show up and not know what you're getting up and showing up for, except that Christ might impact people's lives. Mm, Yeah. You know, Cynthia, that's such a good question. I know that when we talked, you know, not too long ago, we just talked about how for the both of us, you know, the gospel is our lives. Like we only know like one gear and that is just like, you know, as you know, Ryan Reese says, my pastor, he's like, we just full send for the Lord. There's you only go hard. You go hard or you don't go at all. You're either all in or you're not in at all. And I think with a lot of churches and a lot of places, even as we've traveled, right? Like I'm doing, I'm a full-time missionary right now in South America and even today, you know, we're, we're hopping on the call and we're mapping out, like my friends and I are mapping out tours for schools all over Colombia, all over Chile. Chile is the longest country in the world, you know, from top to bottom, as long as the country is, is how like this way is, is, is as long as the United States is, you know, like horizontally, a lot of land, you know, a lot of schools, a lot of kids. And, you know, even this morning, like being here on the mission field, like, on the days that are hard, you know, like being on the mission field is not easy. I think the best way to put it is that you're treading water in an open ocean and you're either going to sink or you're going to tread water and you're going to swim. And so for me, that's like my mentality where like early in the morning now, like I wake up at eight and I walk on the beach with my coffee and I go on a prayer walk. I get back, I get in the word, I make breakfast, I go to the gym. I'm always listening to Bible studies because I know that the one thing that compels me is the gospel. The gospel motivates me. It compels me to go forward. There's not this hype team around me being like, Christina, we love you. We believe in you. And I think in the U.S., our culture of ministry is very like, there's, there's so much ministry. There's so much going on. People are always like, there's always the likes, there's always the posts, there's always the round of applause. But when you're out here, like I'm out here, I'm in the Northern part of Chile, like right below Peru, there is no hype team. So what is it that motivates me? What motivates me is the gospel every day, but the gospel, I think sometimes people respond to the gospel when they first give their lives to Christ. They're like, okay, Jesus died for me. He forgave me of my sins and now um, I'm saved. And then that's it. And then people don't realize that it's daily that we need the gospel. It's daily that 
we need to be cleansed. It's daily that we enter into that relationship with the Lord. And as you read scripture, like even in my devos every day, I see more and more of the gospel, even about how Abraham sacrificed his son, Isaac. I'm like, wow, Lord, like Abraham was willing to give everything for you. Like, am I willing to give everything for you? And you just see that every day and everywhere that we've gone, honestly, even being here in South America, even as Ryan, you know, is covering, he has like 60 plus schools that just got opened up for him all throughout Idaho, public schools to go in and share the gospel. We have like 30 schools from LA to Orange County that just got opened for us. And it doesn't matter whether we're in South America or in Idaho or Orange County or LA, kid, the the one thing that causes people to be silent, like in a in a gym full of like 800 kids at lunch, these kids go silent. Like they don't need to be in there. Half the time we run out of pizza, but they're silent because when the gospel is being shared, the gospel is showing them it's not only a message of cleansing of sins, it's a message of adoption. It's a message of renewal and every walk of life, we see people responding to the gospel. And I think more people, like you have a lot of Christians that get saved, but then they just sit in a seat in church on Sundays and they never share the message that radically changed their life. And I'm like, man, if we had more people that are just sharing with the person next to them or whatever, it's not just for the evangelists like you or me, the call to share the gospel is for all of us. You know, and the and the gospel that saved me many years ago and that saved you is a gospel that's still saving today. And so I would definitely say that the gospel is still being spread and advanced today, but it comes at a cost because the more you advance, the more the enemy is going to push you back and the more that you just have to keep moving forward. Yeah. I mean, let, let's let's talk a little bit about the keep moving forward part. You know, one of the scriptures I love is 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 in the Bible where it talks about, you know, putting your hand to the plow and not looking back, essentially. Um, you know, essentially, uh, you know, you you pick up your cross, you know, you carry it. You you when you start this work, you you don't you don't shrink back. You know, we're not those that shrink back. But the reality is that life is hard, right? Yeah. So I think even for people whose hearts are positioned toward service, you know, service meaning, you know, I'm going to take an hour a week every week, or I'm going to take, you know, an hour a day every day, and I'm going to make sure that I share this message of hope and love with other people, even if it's just one person, right? Because we serve a God who goes after the one. So there's all these concepts about getting the gospel out and sharing it around the world today that I think are really important to look at because I think the concept of ministry has been twisted. I think, I think we, I think that there was a generation that made ministry look like a place to go for fame and for money. I really do. I think the prosperity doctrine hurt a lot of Christian ministry. I think the big Uber rock star pastor syndrome, it hurt a lot. It hurt a lot because what it's doing today, I think, is causing a lot of people to become disillusioned when they put their hand to the plow 
of ministry. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, I'm not a household name. Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I'm not making millions of dollars. I mean, I actually had someone accuse me years ago. He was really upset because he felt that I was, um, that I was defending Donald Trump and Mm -hmm. not Joe Biden. I was actually saying something about why I wasn't a Joe Biden fan historically because of things with my father and things about my family history. That's a whole other long story. Watch the movie. Um, But it was interesting because one of the things that he used to attack me was, well, yeah, she even went into ministry to get rich. (laughs) And I think that's so funny because I'm pretty sure you know and yeah. I know that you don't go into ministry and last in ministry today to get rich. You go there because you you have something in you that cannot turn off the evangelical button that says Jesus Christ, he saved me. He's real. And you're looking at people around the world and you can tell they're walking in a wall after wall. They're lost. They're hurt. They're broken. They're in pain. And you know you have the answer. Like, you know, like I've got the answer, dude, this is what you need to do. You need to follow Christ. Let me introduce you to this savior, to this medicine, to this thing. And it just gets bigger than you, you know, it just gets bigger than you. So I guess, I don't know. I guess my question is, you know, how do you push past, you know, the human stuff that makes you want to go? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't want to get up. I don't want to do this today. How do you push past that? Yeah. You know, Cynthia, I think in this season, you know, there's been so many days, you know, like I was saying, you know, just even like being on the mission field where like every day that's, you know, my life here where I, you know, every day is a choice. Like, you know, I think one of the things that the Lord was showing me, you know, because right right now we're in our summer season here in Chile and kids go back to school in March. And the Lord's just been speaking to me about the off season that athletes go through, right? Like on the off season, what are athletes doing on the off season? Man, they're training. Yeah. They're like, and the Lord every day is like, you know, because I could during this time, I could kick back. It's summer here. People are at the beach. People are, and I do, you know, I am enjoying the, the summertime thing here, but I could completely be so lax and be like, yeah, I'm, I don't need to listen to the podcast today. Uh, I could get in the word, but you know, I don't, I don't need to be planning events. I don't need to be doing these things, but it's like, and people are like, Christina, enjoy summer, enjoy summer. But it's like, okay, I will go to the coffee shop this week. I just got myself a paddleboard last week. I will go out in the ocean. I'll do the things I love to do. But every day in the off season, like I was sharing, I'm in the word. I'm going through three or four Bible studies a day, podcasts, you know, I'm, exercise. I'm I'm in the gym at least an hour a day. You know, I'm, I'm doing these things because that's the only way that I can exercise my faith. I can stay healthy emotionally. I can stay healthy mentally and I can stay healthy physically so that when it is time to run my race for the Lord, he could look at me and, you know, as a coach and say, this athlete, even on the off season was faithful you know, to me, to, to, to seek me that I can now use her for my glory. But really, I think with everything, like you were saying, Cynthia, like 
my pursuit even in Chile right now is I'm getting like all of my, you know, photos together. I'm going to be signing here in Chile and in Peru with different agencies. My pursuit even in Chile is not ministry. It's not modeling. It's not missions or these things. My pursuit is still Christ. And I think that in life, you know, with Christians, like I've never been in a season where I've pursued ministry as I've pursued the Lord, he's brought me ministry because he's like, you know what, her heart's in the right place. But like you said, you have a lot of Christians who, you know, enter in like if I, man, if, if I wanted to get rich at the age of 34, I would go to law school. I would go to law school and I can make a lot of money. That's pretty much what my parents wanted me to do growing up. They were like, Christina, you have a gift of communication. You know, I got my bachelor's. They were like, we want you to go get like a master's, you know, go to law school, get a master's in communication. And I could be making six figures doing bogus stuff that I don't even care about doing. But every day, the only thing that compels me is doing what the Lord has called me to do. And I don't, and what it has cost me is my life. When I left California, what it cost me was my country, my friends, my church, my possessions. It cost me everything I ever wanted. I, and, and, and I had like even my friends back in LA at my church, they tried to like mail me a box, right? Of things for Christmas. It still says I, on USPS like tracking that it, that it's the last thing was December 25th that it left Texas, but it doesn't say that it's entered into this country yet, you know? And it was stuff like Trader Joe's peanut butter, my favorite concealer, like Cheez-Its, like certain things, you know, but I gave up even those comfort things to come here. But what is it that compels me is my simple love for Christ. And it's not easy, but it's because I've, you know, sought the Lord. Like, like we were talking about the athletes, you train in the off season. You got to be in the word every day. You got to be listening to Bible studies. I'm staying in fellowship with friends. I'm telling friends when things get hard because things have gotten hard. And the only person that's watching what I'm doing every day is the Lord. But every day I'm like, Lord, I do this for you. I'm not here posting about my daily Devo like on Instagram or just all these things that the kind of the American Christianity is doing. Cause when you're on the mission field and you're going hard, like it's just you and the Lord. And that's just kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting. You know, the apostle Paul uses athletes and soldiers all the time, you know, when he's teaching scripture and, and it's, you know, it's that putting on the armor of God. It's that, you know, running your race with endurance till the end. And it's, it's such a, you know, I love using athletes and competition uh, as an analogy, because my son was an athlete and he played at a very high level. And so I have always been around exceptionally gifted young male athletes. And, um, and I, 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 and I say male only because I have a son, I don't have a daughter. So, you know, I don't know what exceptionally gifted young female athletes are like, but I know what young, young, I know what young athletes need period. And, and they, in the off season, like a soldier or an athlete, that's when your battle in the on season is won. Like if you're, if you're, if you haven't trained and strengthened your muscles, your faith muscle, right? Your physical muscles. You're not going to get on the battlefield and win. If you haven't figured out your strategy, 
you know, in the off season, you're not going to win when you're, when you're in the fighting season. And it is really interesting to me. I think one of the greatest examples that I've been able to give to my son is I think the continued commitment I have to loving others, to sharing the gospel and to being the person that he knows Christ created me to be like all the good things inside of me or about me are those things that are aligned with Christ. And, um, and it is, that's the greatest example I think you can give, you know, to children. Um, but you know, when I think about missions, right, it's funny. So for those of you listening, you may get this, right? A lot of people always say, you know, like, oh, my biggest fear of like accepting Christ is that he was going to, you know, call me missions work, make me move to the middle of Africa and live in a live in a tent, you know, and, ah, you know, and it's funny because God knows who you are when he calls you. He knows what he created you for when he calls you. And he knows when you're uniquely gifted for a mission field and you are uniquely gifted for that. Right. But. Our young people today, you know, one of the things I love about you in ministry and what you do and what God has brought you to do is that you have a heart for young people like I do. Um, And you're all over the world with young people. And are young people today as hungry for the gospel as we think they are? The things you say seem to make me believe that they are hungry even if they don't know that they are. Mm, yeah, like hungry for the mission field? Hungry for the gospel that you bring oh, them to the mission field. Yeah, for sure. You know, a, a lot of young people are hungry for the gospel because, you know, like, like it doesn't matter. Like even my friends, you know, like our whosoever's team is just kind of in different places. But as I've seen my friends, you know, whether it's in, the U.S., like in Florida, I have some, one of my other friends goes to all the like podunk states that we forget exist, like Wisconsin, you know, in Oklahoma, shout out to Wisconsin and Oklahoma and Iowa. I'm like, I forgot that was even in the U.S., you know, like all the states that you forget that are part of the 50 something states that there are. Um, oh yeah. They're, they're caucusing in Iowa today for the presidential elections. <laughs> yeah. Like just all these states and everywhere we go, it's the same response. Everywhere we go, we see people responding to the gospel. And these are young people at like skate parks, like even like Ryan and Head and uh, Sonny. I think it was a couple of years ago at um, they did an Easter service at a bar in Texas. Like they literally went and did an outreach and people are giving their lives to the Lord at a bar in Texas. Like it doesn't matter whether it was at the bar or for us, like at a school or a skate park, even when we're just out and about, like we're just sharing the love of Christ with people and people are giving their lives to the Lord. Even here when we do our school assemblies, cause they're mandatory. Like we have teachers giving their lives to Christ, principals giving their lives to Christ, like we have all these people giving their lives to Christ where the I believe the gospel is the most powerful thing on this earth that truly saves. It sets people free. I think that's why it says in Isaiah, you know, that Jesus came to, you know, he came to cleanse us and to save us. But he said he also came to set the captives free, you know, like he 
constantly through the gospels. I just finished the book of Luke and I'm, you know, chop chomping away at the book of John. The, what Jesus did was heal. I just finished the book of the story of Lazarus today. He like raised the dead. Like Jesus is still working in these ways and he's restoring marriages. He's bringing back the prodigals. And so all these people really are hungry for the gospel. And I think one thing I've really seen with young people, which I'm really excited about is you have all these young people who, who are getting saved. And this young generation really is like, they have an amazing heart to reach the broken lost people, right? Like even young people that don't know Christ, what you see in this generation is a huge heart for injustice like all these young people that are so lost right now, kind of protesting all the things that are just not of the Lord. What I see is like, man, Lord, if you get a hold of their hearts, those kids would be on fire for you and start like going in the right direction to have a heart to like, you know, for the kids in Africa or India. And so that's what I see with these young people getting saved. A lot of them are always telling me like, Christina, how can I get involved in the fight in human trafficking? How can I go and, and help rescue the girls in Thailand out of, out of trafficking? How can I go reach the orphans in Mexico? How can I go love the widows in India? Like you have all these young people that are willing to, to give up their life. Like to ha- they, they have a hunger to be a part of something bigger than themselves because I think a lot of them are sick of the self-consumed you know, world of social media, yeah. that they want something deeper. They want something impactful. And I really admire that about this generation is that they really do have amazing hearts that I believe are God given that the enemy tries to, to get a hold of, to protest the wrong things. But when the Lord gets a hold of them, they're unstoppable for the Lord because they have an amazing fire and passion. And that's what I love about young people that I'm sure you saw too, when you and Roger were doing like your Bible study at Kansas city, you know, in Kansas city yeah. with all the students from the college. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You, it's like their arrows, right? Like yeah. they're arrows and you realize, Whoa, these are like young, strong arrows. And they're just like, they're in the quiver but they don't know which direction to be shot. They don't, and and the enemy's not stupid, man. He uses yeah. culture and the culture of lies around them to sh- shoot them in the wrong direction. He gets them to focus all that good energy in the wrong direction. You know, you, listen, someone was talking to me recently about all the college protests on campuses. Like, how are these kids supporting Hamas? Like, how are they... How are they saying some of the things coming out of their mouths about Israel? It's like yeah. they're stepping into the into, you know, uh, you know, nine tenths of the way into a historic timeline and then making a judgment against the wrong, you know, entity. And it's like, yeah, yeah I know how they're doing it because they have all this stuff in them that doesn't want to see killing, that doesn't want to see harm come to anyone. They have a lot of compassion in them. You said it, you know, there's a lot of love, this generation, you know, they want justice and they want mercy. I get it, but they're completely miseducated and misdirected. And when you're miseducated and misdirected, you're throwing all of your talent, your skill set, and your energy and your love and your compassion onto perhaps broken, lost, sinful people. You know, I, 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 and the more that 
adults and more that society, you know, who's older than them, wiser than them, teaches them or doesn't teach them what the truth is about how we were created, both male and female, about identity, about, you know, world history, about the history of our nation. Like if we just don't teach them correctly, they're, they, then, then they're primed to be misused and, you know, and have all of their desire for justice shot in the wrong direction. And, you know, that's the, listen, I think one of the easiest ways to take out any people group is to not root them into what their identity is and, and to, to where they can actually root their identity and what, who created love. Like, where does the concept of love come from? Well, it comes from God. You know, we love because he first loved us, scripture says. If these kids really got a hold of that, then it's like, oh, well, who is God? You know, who's Jesus? Why did he love me so much that he sent his son to die for me? What does that actually mean? Like, we got to get them, I really believe this, asking the questions that lead them into really wanting to know who is Jesus Christ. They want a relationship, you know, getting them into relationship with Christ. Because I always say to people, listen, I promise you, if you pursued Christ for a season, as much as you pursue maybe watching, you know, your favorite television show or whatever it is, reading books or fashion magazines, you will get to know a living God. And that living God is going to meet you in your pursuit and your life will change. You know, it'll just change. Your identity changes. Your peace changes. Now, does it mean your struggles change? Not right away. Not Mm -hmm. right away. Because I think the struggles we have with the flesh, it takes the Holy Spirit and submitting to the Holy Spirit time to, you know, train those things out of us. But then there are certain things that God delivers you from in an instant, you know, and, and I don't know, you know, I know the beautiful thing about my relationship with the Lord and about the Lord period that I've found over many years is that he does what he wants to do. You know, he saves some people in an instant, some people it's a gradual calling out of sin. Some people it's, Ooh, I got to reshape this identity in a certain way. He has a different love language with all of us. You know, um, my love language with the Lord has always involved you know, him putting music in my mind in the, in the morning hours, you know, when I'm, I would love to come back to Rama Bible church, North Bogosi. I just, we just got a, a message in, Hey, please tell your leadership. Cynthia Garrett is ready, willing, and able. And um, I'm just sitting here thinking about God bless you, Bogosi. God bless you too. You guys, we get uh, sometimes live messages while we're recording, but it's funny. Um, For those of you in South Africa, I was just sitting here thinking to myself how amazing it would be to go over there with you, Christina, and uh, and do a women's conference. South African people are incredible warriors for Christ. They go hard after Jesus, you know. And and um, hey, and this is a look. It's a perfect question for you, Christina. We talk about this sometimes. I think we have too many distractions in America and that's why people don't go as hard for Christ. They get, you know, they, they're pansies. Well, you know, I, I can't do this because it's requiring 30 minutes of me, every, you know, a week. 
or I can't do that because it's taking me away from this other thing for an hour, you know, a, a day or a week or a month or a year, whatever it is. We are pansies. You know, our commitment level to actually just showing up and preaching the gospel because one person might hear it is not there. It's not there. But in other countries, there's this hunger, there's this desperation for the miracles of God to fall down on, on, on people's lives. And I think it's because they don't have all the distractions and they know that healing doesn't come in an iPhone. They know Mm -hmm. that identity is not found because you have a thousand likes on social media. They know it, Mm -hmm. you know, some of them have no access to social media. Some of them, you know, some of them are walking around, you know, with afflictions that we can't even begin to wrap our mind around, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and they're, they're desperate for the power, the real living power of a real living God. And I, I, I think we've lost a bit of our desperation in the Western church for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Cynthia, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about my friends in India that I visited um, in July of last year and you've been to India. And the first time I went um, in 2019, I, I just remember like joking with my friends and being like, man, if I could just get one of those homies and bring them back to the States because they're so on fire. But the reason why they're so on fire is because they're so pressed every day like they're lot like their jobs are threatened like when someone becomes a believer there because it's a hindu country it's they have they their families ostracize them you know like they give up their families like their jobs they're persecuted at their jobs they change their names there because a lot of indian names are hindu based you know like are they're after hindu gods and so when they come to christ they go and they change their names to biblical names like, you know, like Paul, Grace, Matthew, like all these names. So when they go to public places, just to normal things, right? Like to vote or whatever, and someone sees their name, they're like, oh, they're a Christian. And so it's just so crazy. You know, it just reminds me of that verse in Isaiah where, you know, he says like, you will no longer be termed forsaken or desolate, but I will give you a new name you know, you know, Hepzibah, my delight is in her. And that new name these believers are given, it's like they will, it's like they're forever bearing, they're willing to go as far as to change their first name to bear the name of Christ. And I remember my friends there, um, my, one of our friends there, he's a pastor and he trains up these young people to go and do sports ministry. So they go to these slums and they coach soccer and all these sports. And then these kids then grow up and they do Bible studies and all this stuff. And that's like their outreach. Cause they can't do like public outreaches. And he was just telling me that two of the people, he was just telling me in July that two of the young people that I had met in January of 2020 were put in prison like in a different part of India because of the sports ministry they're doing. And they were like, but their response to being put in prison is like, wow, it is a blessing to suffer for Christ. Like it is like an honor that because we were advancing the gospel that we would now be put in here. And I'm just thinking like, man, dude, like most Christians like in the U S they make an excuse on like why I don't know, like 
they're only going to show up for church, like however many time or why they're not going to serve or why they give God an excuse on why they're not going to share the gospel with someone in that coffee shop. God puts it on their heart to share it with, but you have believers in other countries that are so on fire, but that, you know, but it, but it costs, but I think when something costs you something is when it becomes valuable to you. And so for me, like even my time here in Chile, it has cost me everything to be here. So that's why I'm going hard for the Lord. Cause I'm like, Lord, like, you know, kind of like, da- like, you know, what David's response was in the word. He said, I will not sacrifice that to the Lord, which costs me nothing, yeah. you know? And so in my life, I'm like, Lord, like everything that I've done for you, even in the season has cost me everything. So why would I not go hard for you? Like, like it doesn't make sense, you know? And so, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally get that. You know, it, it's, I, Miche, I think it was wrote in about how effective testimonies are. Right. And it's true. You know, even revelation says, you know, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And that, that is, you know, the, the blood of the lamb of God and the word of our testimony of what God did in our lives, you know, to get our attention, to turn us around, to save us. And yeah. it's so, you know, and that's Revelation 12, 11, uh, for those of you listening. Um, and they did not love their lives to death is the end of that scripture, which which I love, you know, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. And that's, That's a convicting final statement because we know there it's like, there's three prongs to this, right? We overcome, we all want to overcome. How do we overcome? Mm -hmm. Well, we got to accept the blood of Christ, right? And, and, and then the word of our testimony, that, that, that spoken testimony of what God did in our lives, Mm -hmm. looking at it, understanding his resume, sharing that resume with other people, Right. And, and love not your life unto death. That's the third prong, I think, that really gets a lot of people. You know, we love our life. We love our life, the one that we imagined as children, the one that we dreamt of as young people, the one we want, the life that is comfortable, the life that looks like the one that we want everybody to think that we're living on Instagram. You know, it's interesting. I used to, you know, way back when social media was first starting, I used to, you know, I would get on and I would post pictures of all the beautiful places I I was. And I even wrote a column for a magazine called LA Confidential, which is a part of a big group of luxury magazines here in the United States. And in the magazine, I would travel to these different places. And then I write a review and an article about wherever I was. So, you know, it was always very five-star luxury, blah, blah, blah. And someone said to me one day, yeah, well, I mean, you just live the life, you know, blah, blah, blah. You got, you know, all these places. And I was thinking, this is years ago. And I was like, oh yeah, this, I can't do this like all the time forever because this is not, I don't live this life every day, all day. Like what people are getting are glimpses of something we're curating for them to get. You know, what's it like to stay in the Vera Wang suite in Honolulu? You know what I mean? It's, they're not getting the truth. And the truth was that, you know, the things that made me happy, the things that brought me joy, the things that saved me daily are the things that are rooted in Christ and Christ speaking to me. 
and knowing mm-hmm. him and knowing that he loves me, you know, no perfect meal that you post on Instagram is as powerful as raising a hallelujah in the presence of your enemies, you know? Mm. I mean, and being reminded that, whoa, heaven comes to fight for me, you know? Yeah. And 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 I I need to, this is the faith that I need to overcome things for real, you know? Not my life and loving this shallow thing called fleshly existence, you know, above the thing that really will give eternal life. You know, it's, um, it's a big, it's a big topic, you know, Christina, and I really wanted us to kind of, you know, as we transition, you know, for those of you listening, um, please pay attention to your emails from Cynthia Garrett Ministries. We're going to be, you know, recording and, you know, possibly moving our live recording to a different day, possibly, you know, changing some release days and whatever as, as the podcast takes on, I think really what God is showing me a resurrected life, you know, Mm -hmm. um, all seasons, you know, go through these transitions and, and seasons change. And, um, I think in this season, one thing Christina Boudreau and I do know for a fact, and I'm so grateful for it, CB, is that we are we are in this together. <laughs> you know, we're both called to run a very unique race, and we're called to run it together. And I'm grateful for that. And as we sort of peace out for the week, I just want to thank you, man, for suiting up showing up, for putting on your armor, for going out into the missions field, for going to countries that a lot of people don't even want to visit on a vacation, and for being the light of Christ that shines in the darkness. I want to thank you. You are a young, beautiful woman, and the personal risk that you take to go and do what you do is incredible. So thank Thank you. you. You're welcome, girl. I love you, sis. Love you, too. Yeah, I love you, too. So to all of you listening, figure it out quickly, man. The world needs Christ. The world needs you to show up with Christ in you and make a difference. I'm Cynthia Garrett, with Christina Boudreaux. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Life Audio presents Bridges with Monica Schmelter. That we have an enduring hope that can't be taken away when we are in Christ. And to know that we have that, right? And eternal salvation, because this world can be so busy and so dark that we can forget that, right? Because right? sometimes I get caught in the trappings of what's going on in my life this moment. And while I have to recognize that, that's not it. Continue listening on lifeaudio.com or wherever you find your podcast.